God is good, amen? Yes. Hallelujah. You know, I was just seeing this in, uh, in the spirit as we were getting ready uh, to come up here, as I was getting ready to come up here. You know, praise is kind of like, uh, you know, I'm not going to let that go, by the way, right? You know, I'm not going to let the praise thing go. Uh, praise is kind of, you know, the Bible says, for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. You know, we understand that praise is something that we can do. Praise is something that we can do, amen? It's, it's something that we're given. It's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of the, uh, uh, last night we went for a, a, a Jeep ride, and we had the tops off, and, and my, wife, uh, my, my wife said, uh, do, you have the, do you have that other sweatshirt in here still? And I said, no, I took that out beforehand. And, you know, what, how many know that without the garment, you can't put it on? But when you have the garment, you can put it on. And so when she had the sweatshirt, she could put it on and be warm. When she didn't, she couldn't. And the same thing is with praise, you know, the, for the spirit of heaviness, we're to put on the garment of praise. You know, with thanksgiving, we're supposed to bring our requests to the Lord. And what God was showing me, uh, I believe he was showing me anyways, you judge it, but I believe that he was, he was showing me that, have you ever walked into an event? And there's been no music, no noise, it's just silent. And you walk in there and it's kind of weird. Do you, did you ever know that this is why they, they really, why they play background music at funeral homes? Glory to God. It's not, because, it, it's not because we need music to mourn and mournful music. It's because it's weird to walk into a space when there's no noise. With those, a group of people, it's kind of like, oh, what's going on in here, Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, you, you know, the same thing is with church. It's kind of weird uh, to, to come into the house of the Lord, a place that's supposed to be a place of prayer and a place of fellowship and a place of joy and a place of the fruits of the Spirit, and to not hear praise. Glory to God. Now, I know that there's some churches that don't do that. They don't want to be demonstrative and they, they don't want to speak out. And God forbid we say something during church service. But that's not the kind of church we are, and it's never the kind of church we're going to be. And so if you resist praise, what you're doing is you're just resisting what inevitably is going to either happen or going to drive you away, one of the two. And so you have to make that determination. If I want to be part of this, I want to be fully into it, then, then I might as well get, in, get on board with this praise thing, amen? Because we are a church that praises God. And why? Because praise is effective. It's probably the one of the most effective things in a Christian life. In fact, there's so many times where Christians are praying for things to change when they need to praise God for the change. Because if they just praise God, they'd see the change. You know, there's been times in my life where I've been going through it, and I mean going through it hard, and even even recently, and it's, you, you know, I, I go to, I, I go to read, a, read the Bible, and I just can't get very far. It just seems like I'm just, I'm just reading uh, like the newspaper. It just doesn't seem like anything's coming out of it. I'm not saying nothing's coming out of it. I said it's like, it seems like it. You know, it just, I don't feel refreshed as I'm reading it. And there's times when, when, when you know, you could, you, you, you could try to read books about God or whatever, try to stir your faith. And I've and I even done that. I, like I go to a book where I've been reading and I've been reading about people's great faith and how it changed lives. And usually I get really excited about it. And here I'm trying to get into it. And it's the same thing. It's like I'm chewing on sawdust. You know what I mean? It's like, a, it's just like, it's just dry and there's nothing coming out of it. What do you have? What do you have in those times? You have praise. Amen? Praise is the ability to, to interact with God no matter what. He said he's never left us nor forsaken us. And that's a good jumping off point for praise. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so we, uh, you know, that's why we, 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 we tend to, to focus on these things. I think it's important. I believe the Bible tells us to do it. Actually, the Bible calls it the sacrifice of our lips is praise. Glory to God. And so, <clears throat> so that's why we run on that. That's why it's important. But, you know, praise is much more than, I don't know, I wasn't planning on preaching on praise tonight, but this is where we're at. Praise is much more than just, you know, just what we do. It, it, it's also an attitude. You know, praise is a thing that it's, it's joy within our hearts. It's the outward expression of something that's on the inside of our hearts. Now, uh, if you're a Christian who, who deals with, uh, with depression or anything like that, this, this would be really good for you. And the reason I'm saying that is because I'm a Christian who's dealt with depression. I'm, I'm a Christian who's, in fact, the, one of the number one, actually they say this, the number one attack to a pastor is depression. It's, it's uh, you know, to be depressed and to be hopeless at different times. The devil will heap that on you to try to get you to stop from doing the work, amen? But the answer to these things is praise. The answer to getting out of that is praise. And of course, we know that through the word of God. So we're excited about it, amen? That's why we do what we do around here like that that's why we talk about doing it more and it's important for us to do so amen
Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad he's excited. Hallelujah. Uh, glory to God. And, and we'll get the rest of you caught up, maybe by the end of the service. And if not, well, you just go on home to your miserable life. And I'm just kidding. Glory to God. We're, we're, we're going to be people that are changed by the word. Amen. Do you know being changed by the word? I'm going to get into something else here. Getting changed by the word is not just showing up, being around the word. It's not just hearing the word. You can sit there and not want to hear the word and never be changed by the word. But it's the receiving of the word. It's the same thing with salvation. It's, it's We're changed as we receive it. Glory to God. We're not changed as, you know, the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Amen. That means renewed mind means it's different than it was before. Amen. And if, it was, if it's different than it was before, that means it's, gonna, it's going to cause you to act differently than you did before. And if you're not acting differently than you did before, then your mind has never changed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I, I, there's so many things in our household that, I just, that, that, that don't change because I haven't changed my mind. You know, it's like you can, you can, you can hate the color of your walls, but until you change your mind and your desire to paint it, you're not going to change the color of the walls. You can wish it away, you can try to pray it away and all those things, but it won't change. We, as we connect to the Word of God, as we connect to what God has called us to do, as we decide to put effort towards the things that God has directed us in, then that's when we're victorious. Well, praise the Lord. The, uh, tonight's message is called Developing Usable Character. And I hope that that's what this message is about, but if it's not, praise the Lord, then we'll, we'll probably change the name later. Probably won't do that either, but at the very least you can say, well, I don't know where, where the name came from, but, but we are going to be talking about the character, having character, godly character, glory to God, and, 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 and really what that is, is developing something within us to be able to, uh, to be used, amen? Uh, because this is the thing, you know, I, I, I've, I've so much... I've looked at the, you know, the church in general and think, what, what needs to happen to change people's minds? And really what needs to happen is people need to change their minds. They need to start thinking right about the things of God. You know, people have been over-churched in this country. We, we have so much given to us. We have so much around us. And, and yet we still aren't able to be as effective as we should be. Uh, we, God has intended that we would be incredibly effective, but the church still hasn't really moved into that place of great and, uh, great and, and, and wonderful effectiveness. Amen? And, and, and the effectiveness I'm talking about is the kind of effectiveness that's promised to us in the New Testament. That's like the, what the early church saw, where there, was, where, where there was masses of conversions, glory to God, where there was, where, where there was great and wonderful outpourings of the Spirit, where there was where, uh, healings on people, where there was, uh, you know, manifestations where people started living right because they were drawn drawn to the things of God and not just because some preacher was telling them that they needed to live right but because they were actually convicted of living right within their spirit and all of these things come as people become usable as people uh, uh, give themselves to the truth as they give themselves to the word and so this is an important thing I believe this is the message for us tonight amen turn with me to Colossians 3 <clears throat> does anybody like the Bible the Bible is a good thing, amen? It's a more sure word of prophecy, as one version puts it. It's, a, it, it's the thing that we have to stand on. It's the thing that we have to judge by. You know, when uh, it's real easy to judge things. Uh, what I'm talking about is judging whether something's right or wrong. It's really easy. You know, the Christians that say, don't judge me, those are Christians that don't know the Bible very well. Um, now, we're not supposed to be judgmental. We're not supposed to be walking around critical. That's not what uh, uh, you know, being, uh, judging means. But we are supposed to judge all things. Uh, the Bible teaches us this. This is what the, the Lord taught us. In fact, it's, it's a fool. Only a fool doesn't judge things, whether something is accurate or not. You know, the, we're told about the Bereans over there in, in, in Acts 17. The Bereans were no, more noble than the, one, the Thessalonians. Amen. Because they, what? They judged what was being preached to them. And they didn't judge it by a critical attitude, just sitting there going, oh, I don't like what the pastor says or how he says that. That's not how they judged it. That's not what it was all about. The way they judged it is because they searched the scriptures daily to see if the things that were being preached were actually truth. And if they were, they received it with joy. I said if it was, they received it with joy. See, one of the biggest problems I've found in, in, in the local church with people that, 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 that get uh, mad and get angry all the time is that they don't learn to receive the word with joy. That's up to us. How many know that it's up to you to receive the word with joy? 
If I preach the word to you, even if I preach it wrong, you can still receive it with joy. What I mean is you're not going to receive what I said with joy necessarily, but you can receive the word with joy. I've been in churches that, were, that, that didn't really uh, do anything that was scriptural at all. And I mean, I attended them regularly, but it happened maybe on vacation or something happened into one. But I can tell you that the Spirit of God always dealt with me because if the word was used, he can deal with you. If the word is given, he can do something on the inside of you. Amen? So that's why it's important. You know where you're supposed to be planted, right? If you know where you're supposed to be planted, then you can trust God to feed you that way. Now, you can trust God despite the one who's in the pulpit, despite me. Hallelujah. You can trust God no matter who's standing here. Praise the Lord if you know that you're called. But if you don't know, and this, this, this is, I guess this is the heart of the scripture. Let's go ahead and get into it. Colossians 3.17. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. <clears throat> giving thanks, kind of in that, you know, that's, that's what praise is. Just, just so you know, but, uh, uh, but giving thanks through him, uh, through him to God the Father. But whatever you do in word or deed, so it doesn't really matter what you do, whether it's something you say or whether it's something that you act out, something that you, you, you work out, glory to God, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does it mean to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus? It means that if you want to punch your neighbor, that's fine. You go up and punch him. Just do it in the name of Jesus, right? I punch you in Jesus' name. I kick you in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Don't think that's what he's talking about, amen? It's, it, 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 the first and foremost it is, of course, is doing something that would glorify God. You know, if I do it in the name of Jesus, it means that, that I recognize that the things I do, the actions I take, reflect on him. Amen? Praise the Lord. If you're going to go out in public and do something really stupid and then say that you go to a church, don't say you go to Family Church Glory. If you're going to go do something stupid, tell them you go to the Baptist church or something like that, or the, the Catholic church. I don't know. Just pick one, but just don't tell them. But if you're going to do something good, praise the Lord, then tell them you go here. Even if you only show up once in a while, tell them that you go here if you're doing something really good, if you, if you know it's really good. And if you're not sure, well, then just wait. Amen? But, but do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're doing, we, we, we need to do all things, everything, everything that a Christian does should do from the standpoint of this is reflecting on my Heavenly Father. This is reflecting on Jesus. Glory to God. But this also means to do it in the authority of Jesus. That's another side that, that, that this also applies to. And so we see that we do it in reflection of how it makes the body of Christ look or Jesus look. Do you know that there's, there's many things, you know, that the body of Christ does in the name of Jesus? I'm going to get back to the authority thing, but they do it in the name of Jesus that aren't such a good reflection on the name of Jesus. One of these things actually the Lord was dealing with me on is this, you know, we have this abortion issue. You know, of course, this is the thing that's in, 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 the, in the, the limelight. It's in the, in the front of everybody's minds. And, of course, Christians, you know, want to rally against it and rail against it. And, and before you get run out of here screaming that Pastor Jeff is a heretic, I'm not saying that abortion is good. I don't believe it is. But I don't think that the problem is the laws. The, in fact, I'm going to tell you I know for a fact that the problem isn't the law. And you want to know how I, want, I can say that? Because not everybody abides by the law regardless of whether there's a law or not. The laws don't change the heart of man. The problem is not the law. The problem is the heart of man. And we don't change the heart of man by, just by calling everybody a loser. Just by getting mad. Just by punching people. Just by kicking people in the name of Jesus. But that's essentially what we do a lot of times with our mouth. Now, I am not saying that I don't want to see laws change. Sure, I do. I, I, I love it when laws are good. But as the Lord showed me before, it doesn't really matter what the law is if I follow God. And if we get people to think right, then we can get people to stop doing things that they shouldn't do. Which includes killing babies. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're excited about that. But it's the absolute truth. See, so many times Christians, they don't consider the effects of how they say something, the effects of what they say, or the effects of, of what they do. They don't consider that. They just do it. And they do it in the name of Jesus, whether they think so or not. Because if anybody knows that you're a Christian, the first thing they're going to look at is your actions. 
Do you notice that's one thing I've seen? Like I, we, I was talking to my wife, you know, one of the things that's kind of hard sometimes as a Christian is sometimes people just won't like you because of your faith. We have people in our family that even though I've helped them, even though I've been a blessing to them, even though I, I, I always yield to them and do things, they, they, they just, they treat me weird. And I don't just go around uh, preaching at people. I don't just go around preaching at my family. I try to follow the Holy Spirit on that, you know, because it's ne never fun when you just preach at people all the time, uh, especially if you preach at people all the time. Glory to God. When you minister, you do that. But, uh, you, know, you know, the uh, people hear that you're a pastor. They hear that, and they kind of, you know, it's kind of like they, they, they want to kind of push you away or they don't want to have much to do with you. And, and, and th those kinds of things happen a lot, and that's not a really enjoyable thing. Now, maybe you're sitting there saying, well, you know, Pastor John, I, I've, I've never had anybody push me away for being a Christian. Well, I'm just going to tell you honestly, you're not being a very good Christian then. It means you, something's, something's off because if, if, if the world's embracing you. So how do you know if something's wrong? The most basic way of knowing if something's right or wrong is if the world embraces it, it's probably not right. That's just a real easy way of looking at it. I judge a lot of things in my actions by what the world does. I don't need to go to prayer about it. I don't even need to find scripture on it. All I got to do is look at it and say, you know, there's probably not right because they're doing it. If they embrace it so much. Amen? I didn't have to be told that pot, legalizing pot was a bad thing. I knew it. That's what they did in New York State. Amen? Glory to God. But uh, everything, we, we're doing things in the name of Jesus, whether we like to or not. We should be probably doing it right. Can we at least agree on that? Amen? So if we're going to do things, let's do them in the name of the Lord with a with a realization that our actions reflect on our God. They reflect on the things that we believe. Amen. And so when a Christian uh, is just embracing defeat, you know, we, we if, if they're embracing uh, never having enough, if they're embracing never overcoming, do you know what that Christian is doing? They're proving to the world there's no fruit following God. They're proving to the world that, 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 there's, that, that there's no fruit. See, we should understand that God wants to do certain things in our life because it proves his fruit. How do I know that? Well, John, I think it's 15, tells us that, uh, that, that Jesus said, Here is my Father glorified that you, say me, that's you, glory to God, you bear much fruit. God wants you to bear fruit. He desires you to bear fruit. But if you are not bearing fruit that is worthy of the name of Jesus, you need to question your actions, you need to question your motives. You need to question your lifestyle, amen? Our lives are meant to live to glorify God. Now, I'll tell you, when the times of extreme pressure come on, and, and these have happened to me, these have happened even recently, there's times of extreme pressure where it's just like, Lord, just come. Just come, just, stop. just come. For my sake, come. Deliver me from this. I want to be done with this. If there's anybody out there who's, uh, you know, had opposition come against them, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. But sometimes the weight of it can be so heavy that that's it. But we have to remember that we are not here just to play. God has left us here. He's blessed us here. He's going to do great things in us here. And we can enjoy this life. I'm not taking anything away from you. I'm not saying, praise the Lord, Joel, I'm not saying you can't do Frisbee golf. Glory to God. Amen. But what I'm saying is, Joel, you can't live doing Frisbee golf. You can't just do it all the time, like nonstop. But he knows that. We were talking about Frisbee golf one day. Glory to God. And so that's, that, he's not sinning by Frisbee golf, okay, guys? Stop judging him. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. But uh, the, the point that I'm trying to make is God doesn't want to take fun away from us. He's not trying to make our lives uh, miserable or trying to make them harder on us. Do you know even soldiers need downtime, R&R, &R, glory to God. And so we have to understand that. But we have to understand that the scope of our lives is not about living here. It's not about what we do here in the sense that, oh, if I, I built a big business, unless it was built to glorify God, it doesn't really mean that much. Or if I, I, I got to retirement, but if you didn't get to retirement glorifying God and bringing glory through the fruit that you've produced, you haven't done a very good job of it. Amen? And that's not what God has intended for you. But God has intended for us to do all things in his name with a reflection and understanding that it's in his name, uh, that it reflects on his name, I should say. An understanding that it reflects on his name. Amen? But also, that's the authority of his name. And when I say the authority of his name, it's not just giving you a badge to go be bad cop. But when, he got, when God gave us authority, it meant that we could go out there as ambassadors of Christ. That we could go out there with the authority, that we could know that we could do certain things, and that we would be okay because we have his authority.
How do you know that you're going to overcome? Because we have the authority of Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And that put on us helps us go forward. Amen. But we, we have to understand something about the authority of Christ. The authority of Christ is not just given to you to do whatever whim you desire, whatever thing pops into your head, whatever idea you deem is spiritual. Amen? That's not what the authority of Christ is for. Doing in the name of the Lord is learning what is pleasing to the Lord, learning what God wants you to do. The Bible tells us to don't be, not to be unwise, but wise, knowing what, is God, what, what God's will is. Amen? And so we're so supposed to, it's supposed to be a thing to us to matter. Lord, what do you have me to do? This should be, I mean, this honestly should be our, this should be our wake-up call every morning. What I mean wake-up call is when we wake up, this is what should call to us. Lord, what would you have me to do today? Lord, how would you have me to be in this situation? You know, one of the things that the Lord has been doing in me is he's been teaching me about this with different interactions. You know, I, I've had these, for some reason, I've had a lot of interactions in recent times with homeless people in various different kinds. Some that are on drugs, some that are just mentally ill, just different kinds of opportunities, amen? And one of the things that I've learned is that I don't always, I'm not always prepared, I actually have not been prepared for it yet. I'll just be honest with you. In the sense that I didn't expect that I was going to get into some kind of interaction. But uh, then I'm in an interaction and the first thing that I have to do is I have to start seeking God. Lord, is there something you want me to do here? And see, we have to understand that the, 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 the interactions that we have, that we live daily are not just happen, they don't just happen, they just, they didn't just, it's just not coincidence or anything like that. But God will, will allow us to walk through our life and have opportunities presented to us, but we determine what we do with that, amen? And that's, that's exactly what the scripture is pointing to. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It left nothing out when it said all. Everything we're to do, we're to do in the name of the Lord. Did you know that you can rest and you can relax, you can go on a vacation to the Bahamas if you want to, and you can do so in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can buy a nice vehicle in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying you can buy every nice new vehicle in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that you can go every, live anywhere you want in the name of Jesus. It's up to us to figure out what the will of God is for our particular lives. That's why we encourage people, know where you're called to be and then plant yourself there. Why? Because when you know where you're called to be, you know where God will feed you, you know where he'll supply for you, and you can go forth in the name of Jesus. You can go forth in the authority with the assurance of the authority. But if you don't have the assurance of the authority, then you can't do anything in the name of Jesus. You will do things and it will reflect on Jesus, but it won't be in the name of Jesus. And this is why so many Christians live their lives. Am I making any sense? Glory to God. So many Christians live their lives just bebopping around, doing their Christian thing, never really determining whether or not it was actually God's will in the first place. And it all reflects back on him because we have a lot of Christians out there. That, you know, there's the, the, the Westboro Baptist people. I don't know if you ever heard about that. Call them out because they did, they did wrong things. What did they do? They just started tearing people apart and bashing them. And, and yes, they're just sinful people and, and the things that they're coming against at times. Uh, I'm not judging that. I'm saying that's right. But there's a way to go about things. You know, there's people that like feel a call to ministry and then cause church splits. And of course, that's not God either. Glory to God, there's divisiveness. They start being divisive in church and, you know, people want to be on boards and I've seen this before in churches where, where, there's, where there's church boards where people can't learn to just love one another and they start tearing apart each other. And that's not the will of God either. But guess what it does? It reflects on Jesus. It, it, it gives a bad name, amen, to the Lord. Now, when my son uh, was, was, my son here, Mark, uh, when he was moving out on his own, he was, we, we helped him get into a house, and he got into a house in Mayville, praise the Lord, where we live and where we have another church. And I told him when, when, when he was uh, in that process, I said, now, I just want you to remember something. You carry my name. And so when you do something, it's going to reflect back on me. Now, that isn't to put him in bondage in a sense to say, oh, I got to watch every single thing I do. But it is to put him in a little bit of bondage saying, I got to watch what I do. I got to watch what I say. Because if people know I'm a jack wagon and I'm, I, I, and I, what's your name? Mark Michener. And it's, oh, well, 
See, that's going to reflect back on me, and that will eventually reflect on the church. And that will, all, in fact, we had this happen. We had a church person do something very bad, very bad. Now, they weren't a very good church person either, but they weren't a good employee or a good friend either on top of that. I'm just judging the fruit. I mean, they, 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 were, uh, they, they were doing really bad things. Okay, we'll just say that. And they did really bad things to their employer. And their employer happened to be a local person. And that local person, instantly, when they found out that this employee was doing all these bad things, you know what they started saying? Well, this person goes to that corrupt church. They corrupted the church in their mind because of what the person did. And you see how it can reflect. Now, fortunately, that didn't stick because the church had nothing to do with that. And I had to, I had to go into some cleanup. But see, that's the kind of thing that Christians don't take into account. That how we live our lives reflect not only on the church, but it reflects on Jesus. When we reflect it on a church, it reflects Jesus. There are people that reject Christianity because of how Christians act. I said there are people that reject Christianity because of how Christians act. And if you don't believe me, have a discussion with my brother Jeff back there. He will explain exactly, uh, exactly what, what I'm talking about. Amen? We, we, you have to understand, and not, not saying to him, it's some stuff he's seen, praise the Lord. But we have to understand that our, our reflections, the things that we do reflect either positively or negatively on the Lord. And if we're going to truly do things, if we're going to, see, you can't, you can't heal the sick without the authority of Jesus. But you don't have the authority of Jesus if you don't give him a good name. If you're giving him a bad name, if you're making it look bad, guess what you're not going to have? You're not going to have free reign to just go do whatever. Because God isn't going to build your kingdom, he's trying to build his. I said God isn't trying to build your kingdom, he's trying to build his. And when we understand that, then we can understand that there's things that we have to do a certain way we have to do them. Amen? Amen. Praise your Lord. Uh, when, uh, when you know why, when you know uh, why you do something, when you know why you would say something, then you can also have confidence in what you do and say. This is why it's so important. The reason my wife and I have a good relationship, the reason we have a good marriage, is not because we're perfect towards each other, but it's because we realize that what we do and say matters. And so those things, we try to keep those things in check and keep those things in line. And we always come back to those things. And every time we get mad, we have to come back to it in ourselves. Amen? We have decisions to make. Would I, do I glorify the Lord in what I'm doing, what I'm saying, or am I glorifying myself? Am I building God's kingdom in what I'm doing or saying, or am I uh, trying to build my own? Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, I don't think I have it in here, but uh, Galatians, did I, did I write it down for you, Galatians? Is that the next set of scripture? Go ahead and go, go to Galatians uh, 6. Amen. What we do, how we live matters. <clears throat> if we want to be Christians that are effective, we have to be Christians that have good character. Good character, you know, one of the requirements in, in 1 Timothy 3, one of, the first, one of the requirements for a bishop or a pastor or a leader of the church, you could say, one of the requirements is that they're given to hospitality, but they also, that they, that they have good character or a good witness on, uh, with the outside world. And so uh, that means that they're not somebody who is, is out there being shysty. They're not somebody out there trying to get their own way. There's somebody out there that's constantly trying to promote others and in, in, in the benefit of others. Praise the Lord. And that's what God has called us to. If it's good for pastors, it's good for all of us. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, where did I have you start? Verse 9. It says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do, do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. <clears throat> now this is really interesting here because notice it says, while we have opportunity. Meaning that there's not always opportunity. When there's opportunity, we need to make the most of the opportunity. Actually, the Bible tells us to, in, in Ephesians 5, it tells us to walk accurately or walk circumspectly, as some versions say, but it means accurately, uh, redeeming the time for the days are evil. 
And so uh, what does it mean to redeem the time? It means to make the most of the time. Uh, what that means is that there, there, there's not, you know, there's not always opportunity to do good. And so when we have the opportunity to do good, we need to take full advantage of that. But it says especially to the household of the faith. Now, what's the household of the faith? Well, of course, it's your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's also your pastor. But it's also your spouse. It's also your friends. It's also the other churches. It's the Baptist church that I was saying to, to tell them that you belong to earlier. Glory to God. And I was being, you know, joking in that. We have to be able to embrace our brothers and sisters in the faith from other denominations. Amen? We, we need to be able to recognize, like, listen, we might not agree on everything doctrinally, but the main points we agree on, and that's where we can settle. Amen? You know, I have some friends that I have, I have some friends, I have actually, uh, I, I consider him uh, a good friend now. He's a, a minister that I got to meet in Mayville. He's a Methodist preacher. And we do things very differently. Amen? But, but I consider him a, a, a good friend as far as in, in, in the ministry, as, as far as those things go. And I, and, and I love the interaction that him and I can have. And you know why we have that interaction? Because we come together in the name of Jesus. We don't come together in the name of Jeff or the name of Mark. That's his name, Mark. And we, we don't come together in the name of, uh, of even Christians, but in the name of Jesus. We come together for the heart, the same heart, to see the world one for Jesus. Now, he's at the place of retirement, and I'm just getting going, amen? And, and, and there, so there's different places, but man, I, there's, there's things I've learned from him and things that I get from him, and I appreciate that. But, you know, we wouldn't have that if we're so divisive to say, well, you're, you're, you're Pentecostal, I'm a Methodist, and, you know, those are two different things. And so even though Pentecostals came out of the Methodist church, but that's another... An, another thing you know and we're not exactly Pentecostal either it's like that's kind of the name given to us but I don't really like the names I'm just Bible that's what I I like to be amen because there's been a lot of things done in the name of Pentecostalism that's goofy and weird and wrong amen but guess what there's been a lot done in the name of Methodism or Baptism or or, or Catholicism or or any other religion there's been a lot of things done in the name of those religions that is wrong amen and so you, we're not going to judge by that, and that's why we're not just going to be that. If I, you know, Paul said that uh, when I'm in Rome, I become as the Romans, right? He said, you know, I become all things to all people. Amen. I think he said that to the Romans. But I become all things. That's why they say, you know, in Rome do as the Romans do. Not everything, you know, because Romans don't do everything great. But uh, we, we, we understand that we can become uh, something to another person in the sense that we can... We, we, we can uh, we can sympathize with their position. We can, we can see the background that they came from. We cannot just be something that we int intended to be. We can be what we need to be. Amen? And so doing this in the name of the Lord Jesus is so important because if we come from the place that we're doing it in the name of Jesus, then we're always doing it from the right place. Jesus didn't do things wrong. Period. Never. Jesus never made a mistake. He never erred. He never said, whoops, I guess I missed that. Amen? Jesus did things perfectly. And so if we do it in the name of Jesus, he's the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith. If we do things in the, after him in the name of Jesus, then we will do things accurately. Amen? But uh, uh, we, we have to take the most of each opportunity. But it also encourages us here not to lose heart while we're doing good. What does it mean to lose heart when doing good? It means, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and you haven't maybe seen so much fruit from it yet, but you know that it's God. You know that it's right. You know that it's what you're supposed to do. You see it in Scripture and nobody, you've been open to, to people correcting you and telling you you're wrong and, and nobody has yet and people just seem to back you up on it, but there just hasn't seemed to be a lot of fruit with this thing yet. What does that mean? It means don't grow weary. Amen. Don't get tired out. Praise the Lord. Don't quit. Don't just lose heart. Praise the Lord. Keep doing what's good. Keep after what's good. Keep doing good. Keep doing good. Keep doing good. Uh, so one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 37, uh, 4, 3. So, uh, Psalm 37, 3. Yeah, I get it mixed up with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 sometimes. But Psalm 37, 3 says, trust God and do good. Glory to God. That's what we're called to do. We're called to trust God and do good, whatever is good. And, of course, if we spend time with the Lord, we'll know what good is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know you really don't want to be involved in the service, but you are. 
And so I'm just going to keep saying stuff, and I might get, make it even uncomfortable at some point. But, uh, you know, the, the, the feedback isn't about, uh, for me, to desire for you to say something is not for me to say, okay, they agree with me. But to say amen, the Bible says that the amen is spoken by us. What does amen mean? It means so be it. It means you agree to it. It was a thing that the early church did. It says it's the word of God, it's being spoken, and it's truth. So when, when people just sit there and they're just like, there's nothing, the, 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 the other side of that, and this is a little bit of some correction, praise the Lord, and just so you know, because we want a church right. There's no point in coming in church and wrong. Amen. And the way that we church wrong is by come and just have our own way. We're just gonna we're just gonna come in with the with the garbage that we came in with, and we're just gonna sit in that while we sit in service. And that's not what God, God has called us to be participants in the local church. Amen. He's called us to participate, and that's the first place where we do it. Where we can recognize that something's truth, and we can say yes, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now I'm not saying because you can take this too far too. I'm not saying that I, 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 I don't, uh, that, 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 you know, I, I want every second, you know, that, and I'm not saying it's what I want at all. But the point is, is the, the, the interaction, the, you have to realize that church is a transaction. It goes both ways. And a service, and I'll just be honest with you, a service when I'm preaching, I've had many of these, and I've had many of these here. But a service when you're preaching and there's nothing coming back at you, it's like your words go right out the door, it makes you want to quit. It makes you want to stop. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, if we, if we continue to have church services like that, I'll do just that. I'll stop the church service and leave. Because I'm not going to have a, I'm, I'm not going to be part of a church that isn't interested in what God's actually doing. We have to determine that we're going to be part of the church or we determine that we're not going to, but we do so by our actions and our interactions. And again, I'm not saying that everybody has to be the most demonstrative. I'm not saying you have to stand up and shout or you have to throw the hanky or any of those things, but I'm saying let's not let it fall dead either. You know, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Praise the Lord. Now, we go to Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot. We go to Jeremiah 29, 11 because, uh, because of what it says. We, we, we appreciate what it says. We appreciate that the Lord has, uh, uh, that he has plans for us. But, you know, the, one of the most important things we need to remember about Scripture is the importance of putting Scripture in context. Amen? Now, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know there's a, there's a lot of preachers out there. There's a lot of people say it doesn't apply to the church and, uh, today. And specifically, it wasn't written to the church. I, I'll agree with that. But just because it wasn't written to the church doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to do with the church. It doesn't mean it doesn't apply to the church. It absolutely applies to the church in principle. And the principle is what we're going to take out of it, and that's why we're going back to verse 4. So even though it was to the, you know, what the, the it was spoken to the Israelites that were in, or in, in Babylon, I think, or in exile in Babylon, here uh, is a promise of God, a promise from the Lord, and we can see, we can draw out from what we need to. Verse 4, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into the exile from Jerusalem, to Babylon. Yep, that's where it is, exactly. It was Babylon. <laughs> Glory to God. And so it says, uh, I have sent them into exile. You know, I had a problem with this verse or verses like this for a long time. Because, uh, I, you know, this idea of God, like, there's, there's two sides of the God's causative uh, actions taken when you, when you read scripture. There's people that think God causes everything to happen which is completely wrong. And then there's the people that think that God causes nothing to happen, which is also completely wrong. God causes some things to happen, and sometimes God allows bad things to happen. But if, there, if God allows a bad, things, a bad thing to happen, there's a purpose in it. Amen? And that purpose sometimes is bigger than the current situation we're living in. And this is something that the church has kind of got away from, especially churches in, in a similar flow as ours, is they've gotten away from this idea that sometimes bad things need to happen to us and around us because there's greater good that will come out of it. And when that's the case, we need to take it on the chin like a big boy or a big girl and just allow it to, you know, to allow God to work it through because God is trying to do greater things on the earth. One of the things I believe wholeheartedly 
is that God will allow a nation to go to pot to get people to come back to him. And if that's what has to happen to America, then so be it. But that doesn't mean that God won't keep his people. He won't protect his people. But it might mean a time when we go through some time where we have some, you know, where you can't get the exact flavor of Wheaties that you want at, the, at, at that moment. You might be able to not get the, uh, all the cereals that you want. Maybe you'll have to uh, not go out and do certain, some of the things that you did before. Maybe some things will have to change. Maybe you can't drive as much because gas prices are through the ceiling. God will always provide and whatever we need to do, I believe that he will. But we have to understand that sometimes things happen for a, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, if you know me, you know I hate this, for a specific reason. Now, a lot of people say, I believe everything happens for a reason, and, and that's a really dumb blanket statement, because yes, everything happens for some reason. There is some, there is some cause to every effect, right? That, that's, there's just, it's like a, probably it's a, a law of physics or a law of nature or something, but there's some cause to every effect, or effect every cause, whatever. It, there, there's some reason for it. But what, we, what, what I'm saying is, it's, is that, the, that the Lord will allow things to happen in reasons, not all things. We have to be skillful at understanding it. But when we see that they were exiles, there is purpose to that. And there are things that will come out of that. Amen? But look what he says to them. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So they're in exile. They're away from where they want to be. Build houses and live in them. And plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. So what is, what, what is God saying here? You know, and this, this really is the balance of what I was just saying. God's saying, listen, you, you are in a place that's less than desirable for you to be, but it's the place that I've caused you to be. Yeah. Try Cory, Pennsylvania. I didn't plan on being here. I didn't sign up to be here in the sense that I, I didn't, I didn't pick a look at a map and say, where can, where can I make my kingdom bigger? Yeah. In fact, to tell you quite honestly, I didn't have a desire to be here. And you know what's even more interesting is I never did. It never came to me. And never all of a sudden there was just, oh, never, I don't come down here and have this great desire in the flesh, in the natural, to be in Cory, Pennsylvania or the surrounding areas. In fact, when I think of the places I don't want, I want to be, I don't even want to be in Mayville, where I come from. If I could choose the places I'd be, there's a lot of places I would choose and I would probably change it on a weekly basis because I'm not a person who necessarily likes to be in the same place all the time. But see, it's not about that. It's about where God has called me to be. And it's where God has called you to be. And see, this is why we talk about being planted, figure out where God has called you and be planted because God wants to do something in the place where he has you. So if, you, if, you, if he's called you here, if he's called you to help here, then he's got things for you to do here. He's got things for you to do, to, to, things to come out of you here. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. But I love what it says there in verse 6. It says, multiply there and do not decrease. So if the instruction is to do something, obviously the instruction is up to us, or the fulfillment of the instruction is up to us. When God gives us instruction, it has purpose behind it. The purpose behind it is to just, so if we're going to do this church thing, if we're going to be these Christians, we might as well be all in. We might as well figure out what it is God wants us to do and then do that. And if we do that, then we can be assured of one thing, and that's that it will be effective. It doesn't mean it will be without trial. You will have trial. Trial will come at you. You will probably live in the midst of trial most of your life in some form or another. You know why? Because you have, there's an enemy that doesn't just want you to ease on into town and to just have your way with his kingdom. There's an enemy that doesn't want you to give up what he's taken. And guess what? God doesn't plan a church in a place where the enemy hasn't taken God purposely puts churches, good churches, churches that will preach the word, that will preach the truth, that will preach things that sometimes cause us to perk up in our seats a little bit. Sometimes they'll cause us to be a little bit offended. You know, Jesus did that as well. God, God will put us in a place to hear from the word 
so we can do something with the word and change the area because God doesn't plan a church for the place to die. He plants churches so things change. God puts his people on the earth and spreads them out. That's the reason that why when you got saved, you didn't just go on home and be in heaven. God had something for you to do. And it's, and, and it's disgusting in the eyes of God when Christians don't live out what he has called them to do. And the only reason they don't live out what he's called them to do is because they don't choose it. They won't choose to walk in it. They won't choose to walk through it. Praise the Lord. God said, you do this. Wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. If you have been there because I... I in, in other words, if, if, if you are with God, if you're following after God, even if you're in a bad place, even if you're... Now, there is something to knowing whether or not you're in the place you're at because of something you did or because it's an attack or because something that where God has you. you. We need to know about that. And, of course, we talk about those things all, all the time. If you're in a bad place because you sin, well, that's obviously not an attack. That's, 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 it may be an attack and feel like an attack, but if you're there because you sinned, you're there because you sinned, not because God put you there. Amen? But sometimes there will be things that just come against us. Amen? When you know where you're called to be and you go to a place and it just seems like nothing is happening, nothing is changing, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't lose heart in doing good. You have to, you have to hold on to that heart. You have to hold on to what God has called you to do. And he's saying, even though you feel exiled, even though you feel away from where you need to be, even though you're not in the... How many know that Babylon was not the promised land? Babylon was not the, the land flowing with milk and honey. Babylon represented bondage. It represented not enough. It represented being controlled and manipulated. It re re represented being attacked from one side and the other, left and right, all the time. But what has God said? Prosper where I planted you. Amen? And now verse 7 is really important for us to see. It says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will have welfare. Now th that word welfare literally means, it's a word for peace, it means completeness, soundness, peace. You are complete. It says to seek the completeness of the place that God has called you to be. Seek the soundness. Seek the fulfillment of where God has called you to be. In other words, if God has you somewhere, there's something he wants you to seek for there. And he says that your peace or your welfare, your, your soundness, your completeness will be found where you've sought that completeness, when God has called you there. And so if it's Cory, Pennsylvania, if it's Spartansburg, if it's, if it's Sugar Grove, if it's Union, it, it doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter if it's Mayville, New York. It doesn't matter if it's Chautauqua County, New York State. You know one of the things I wanted to run out of New York State so fast? Because I can't stand the politics. I can't stand the politics as a man of God. I can't stand the politics as a human. I can't stand the politics in my pocketbook. I can't stand the politics. I can't stand the politics. I can't stand the politics. But guess where I stay? New York State. You know why? Because that's where God placed me. And I know this, that God wouldn't place me there if it wasn't needed. And he wouldn't place you there if it wasn't needed. So where you are is where you need to be unless God's calling you to be somewhere else. And if he calls you to be somewhere else, he will make it known to you. But God always plants us somewhere. He doesn't call us to just be uprooted and, and to be blown around. I was talk, I've talked about tumbleweeds before, maybe not in this church, but I've preached on tumbleweeds before because I used to, when I go out to California, I used to see those out there and they, I don't know why, they just amused me. I like tumbleweeds. I, 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 like I literally laugh at them when I watch them roll by. Uh, but a tumbleweed, is just, it, just, it just rolls and it flips and it's just, there's no uh, end in sight. It just goes wherever it's carried. That's not what Christians are supposed to be. You know, there's some people that church that way. They church, they go, you know, you know and I'm not talking about visiting a, another church. So there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when this pandemic happened, my wife was listening to the radio, Christian radio, and they gave a really great piece of advice. Actually, it's one of the worst pieces of advice I think you could hear. They said, this is a great time for Christians because with all the churches being closed down and you can go online, you can kind of take your pick and you can choose which one you kind of is the best fits you, is your best your flavor. 
That's the American gospel, and that's why Christians in America are so weak. Because they don't understand what it means to be planted in the house of the Lord and to flourish in his courts. God has called us to be somewhere and to partake and to be planted there and to do things there. And to, you know, but so often people are just like, oh, I just, I want to go here and do this and be there and do this and da-da-da-da-da. And they just bebop around. They, you know, they show up at this way. I did that. I used to be a Christian that did that. I'd wake up in the morning. I never had a, a, a local church and I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand what it me meant to be connected to it. But see, if you want the blessing of the Lord to work in your life, you need to do what the blessing of the Lord requires you to do. And what is the requirement here? It tells us to be planted. It tells us to seek, seek like, you know, we, we, the reason what moves us on so often from anything as humans is uncomfortable situations. It's when we don't like something. And by God, we're Americans. You know, we can, we can choose what we want. If we don't like something, we pick something different. If you don't like McDonald's, then go to Burger King. If you don't like that, go to Wendy's because there's options. But what about if there was no options? You know, see, we're so spoiled in that sense because we have so many options. We can wake up today, it's like, oh, it's not just that we need a car. I want a car and I want it to be this color and not just one color or five colors. Now there's a gazillion colors. And if you want it sparkly, you can get it sparkly. If you don't want it sparkly, don't get it sparkly. You know, there's people that would be happy with just a car. They would be happy with not having to walk. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so there's, and I'm not talking even in this country, I'm talking about other countries where people's like, we, we, oh, that, that food has too much spice. How about eating rotten food because it's all you have? There's people that do that. And so you have to understand that just because we're Americans doesn't mean that we should act like Americans all the time. We should understand that we are blessed. Yes, we should understand that, but we shouldn't take that blessing and now command that the God's, God's house and the God's will start working according to, to what we want because it's got to fit in our box. It's got to fit in our comfort zone. You know, when there's something, God will, you, one of the things I have not found in the plan of God yet, and I have not seen it yet when it's truly the plan of God, that it's ever comfortable. I've never seen comfort in the entrance to the plan of God. And you know why? Because the Bible tells us that there is a great and effective door that's open to us, and there's many adversaries. One of the greatest adversaries you're going to ever find in your walk is going to be yourself. One of the greatest adversaries. The Bible tells us so much, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And yet people are deceived. Why? Because they won't let go of them. They want to justify everything they do, and this is what we do in this country. We, 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 we just, and I'm not bashing on Americans. God has blessed this nation. Glory to God. But it won't remain a blessed nation if Christians don't get a clue. If we don't understand, if we don't wake up to the fact that we have to do things differently, that we have to, we have to approach this differently, we have to approach God differently, we don't approach God with our list of demands and say, now Lord, manifest your will according to mine. He says, manifest your will according to mine. Yeah, you didn't die for me, I died for you. You see, Christians forget that sometimes. We forget that Christ paid the price for us. You know why you put up with somebody in a church that you don't necessarily like? Because Jesus died for them as much as he died for you. Sometimes the people sit next to you, people leave churches over people they don't like. Don't even ask whether or not God was in it. Now, don't even ask. I, I, I've had people come to us, Oh, God, God has brought me to this church. You know how he, he was dealing with me for all this time, and I finally came. And then they come a few times, and then they're gone. Or they'll give me these opportunities. God has supernaturally brought me here. I don't even believe in this kind of stuff. But he gave me a dream, and, and he worked these things and all this stuff, and now here I am. And then weeks later, they're gone. What happened to God in all that? Oh, you mean God's as fickle as you are? God's, God's as flighty as you are? God isn't flighty like that. Or people that are led by the Spirit all the time into this and that. And it's always something new. It's always something different. Or people prophesying things that one day they're prophesying this and then it doesn't come to pass. And so they justify it and they prophesy something else. And they prophesy this and they prophesy that and everything. You know what the Bible calls it? It calls that false prophecy. But then there's people that reject prophecy altogether and say, Oh, no, no, we can't have any of that because that will pass away. And yet the Bible tells us, clearly tells us, to not despise prophecy. It says to judge prophecy, but it doesn't say reject prophecy. You don't even know this, but 90% of the time when I'm preaching, I'm prophesying. 
Why? Because that's what the word preached is. If it's any good, it's prophesied. What does that mean? Well, I'll speak by unction. There'll be unction, things I didn't know I was going to say, and all of a sudden I'm saying them. Like a closed service down or something like that. You know, I didn't come to church planning to say that. In fact, I didn't even know that I was going to say half, 90% of what I said. Either. But the, the unction of the Lord will come and he will, he will inspire people. Praise the Lord. That is prophecy. I wasn't planning on preaching on that, but here we are. Amen. Glory to God. And so we understand if we, uh, that, that, that the Lord has called us to be where we're at. And I'm not just saying, hey, this, I'm not just trying to get good church attendance because everybody that's sitting here, Pretty stinking good church attendance. Amen? Praise God. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. You're all the same ones that keep coming back. Praise the Lord. You know what that means? It means you're doing good in that. That's not what I'm talking about. See, being planted isn't just about coming and sitting and showing up and checking it off the, the to-do box. No, I, I showed up to church. The brownie points for me. That's not what it's about. He said to flourish. He said to increase. Don't decrease in that land. Increase, don't decrease. Well, surely that means that you must come to church and become a millionaire, right? That's not what that means. That's not what that means. God, God didn't call us to church just to make us millionaires. He called us to church to be part of something bigger than what we are. Now, in the process, if he makes you a millionaire, that's great. Praise the Lord. That helps you and it should help the church. Glory to God. But there's not that promise in Scripture the promise is he will take care of us. The promise is he will fund every work that he calls us to. The promise is that he has never left us nor forsaken us, that we can be content where we're at because he will always take care of us. The promise is that as we give, he'll pour back into us. The promise is as we follow him, we can do all things for Christ who strengthens us. The promise is, is as we supply his work, he supplies our work. Glory to God. The promise is, is that as we walk his plan out, that maybe we'll deal with sickness, but we can get past the sickness and that we can be healed. The promise is, is that when the enemy attacks us, that we can overcome the enemy. See, these are promises in the Word, but they aren't promises to people that sit in seats. They aren't promises to people that breathe fresh air. These are promises to people that connect to the work and say, God, I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to be into what you're doing. And baby, I don't even know, but Lord, you can inspire me. One of my prayers all the time is, Lord, make me a better minister. Make me a better pastor. And sometimes I see error in the things that I do and I try to, uh, you know, I do my best to, to change that. And sometimes I see error in the things I do and I say, Lord, I can't do anything about that so far behind me, beyond me. But guess what? The same thing goes for you. There, but you have to be able to recognize. You have to be able, willing to, to say, Lord, you can change me. You can do things in me if you want. But you be careful when you say that. Because although that's what God wants, he will take you up on it. And he will desire, that's, that's what his desire is for you. See, the Spirit isn't going to share space with your ego. Praise the Lord. I said the Spirit isn't going to share space with your ego. He isn't going to compete against that. And he's not, he's not going to compete against it because he's somehow inferior. He's not going to compete against it because he isn't inferior. I said the Spirit isn't going to compete against your ego because he isn't inferior. He doesn't have anything to prove. He doesn't care about proving anything to your ego. He doesn't have any... Listen, you, you might think I'm being mean right now, but if you think you don't have an ego, you're all automatically just prove that you have the biggest ego. Amen? Because every human deals with pride. And you know why every human deals with pride? Because the thing that caused the devil to fall was pride. So what do you think he's pushing? He's pushing self. That's what self is. That's what, that's what social media is about. That's what, what this earth is. Everything is, is geared towards self now, if you haven't noticed. Self-help, self this, self that. Be your best self. Be a better you. You, 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 you. It's all about you and making you better. And church became, what do you like? Well, you, I, you like this kind of music? Go to this church. You like this kind of music? Go to that church. Never mind if the Spirit's there. Never mind if God's doing something there. Never mind if God has part for you to play in that. See, a lot of people just don't think right. And because they won't think right, they don't have the right character to be used. God wants us to have character that's usable. And the first, the first sign of a character, a character that's usable is a character that yields itself to, to God. Lord, I will do what you want me to do because you want me to do it. Or I will at least attempt, I will at least try. It's my goal in life. Help me to fulfill what I can don't walk out of here feeling like, oh, oh, you just gave me a bunch of stuff I can't do. You can absolutely do it. All you have to do is be willing. 
willingness goes before the Lord and says, God, listen, it's willingness to show up. And you did well by doing that. But it's more, even more so, it's willingness to continue. And let's just finish out here real quick. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. He's talking back, glory to God, back to the place where he's called them to be. He's talking about his faithfulness. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. That's that same word. Completeness. Plans for soundness. Plans for prosperity. All those things are found in there. Prospering. Don't get prosperity mixed up with the, the, the disgusting prosperity, oh, wrong prosperity message. Amen. But prosperity of God's servants. Amen. That's what he's promised. Uh, and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope, an expectation for things to come. That's what God has for us. Amen. And I want to finish this up with just a few more scriptures. Then you will call upon me and come to me and uh, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Then will you. Right? You will seek me and find me when you search for me with, your, with all your heart. Praise the Lord. God is determined that we would seek after him and find him when we yield ourselves completely to his will. You don't need a preacher to tell you what God's will is for your life. I know that might go against what a lot of people say or what a lot of people think. But you do need, uh, we do need them for what we need them for. The, the ministry of the word is to help guide us and lead us into the places where God has called us to be. He can only deal with your heart. I can't make anybody sit in the seats. I can't make anybody not sit in the seats. Well, I can't do that, but I can't make anybody sit in the seats and, and be faithful to God. You have to determine in your heart what that is. And once you determine what that is, then you have to follow the path that God gives you, the, path, the paths that God lays before you to get there. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's not the things we like. But if we are people who are willing to yield, we're people that can always receive what God has for us to receive. Amen?